0: Amen. Father, we thank you for your presence this morning. We thank you for how you enrich us with your presence. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for how it teaches and guides us. And Lord, we also pray that that spirit pricks us and gives us the desire to throw off those things that, Ruin our fellowship with you. We thank you for the truth. Help us to be truthful with ourselves. And with that, we give you the praise and thanks for all of these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On the hit television show, American Idol. By the way, American Idol is going to have its 15th and final season coming up very soon. People audition from all over the United States to earn the opportunity to face off in a singing competition for the chance to win it all and be referred to as the American Idol. The American Idol. The American Idol is more than just a television singing competition. It can also refer to an ongoing competition that you are involved in more than you realize. Now, you're not competing against another. Hopeful for a prize, but you are involved in a competition where the stakes are much higher. Your competition involves what you hold as important versus your relationship with Jesus Christ. What you hold as important versus your own relationship with Jesus Christ. Who will win that competition? If you are honest with yourself, you will see that it is hardly a slam dunk that your relationship with Jesus Christ is going to come away as the winner. It's not going to be a slam dunk. There are many obstacles That will hamper your efforts to remain in fellowship with him. And that is because you also hold someone or something as one or more of your American idols. Something that you're holding on to. What is an idol? An idol, by definition, is a cultural icon, a cultural icon, specifically a popular person. Or it is an image or representation of anything that is revered and perhaps even regarded as having some sort of spiritual power. Anything. So, as you can see, an idol can be a person, it can be a thing, or it can even be a God for some of us. In the King James Version of the Bible, the term is used as graven image. Graven image, which is something that is engraved, something that actually may have an engraving on it. And is revered in some form of worship. The Hebrew word for graven image literally means idol. Now, some of you might be sitting there saying, well, this isn't going to be about me. Want to bet? I'll bet you right now. This sermon is about everyone in this room. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It applies to every single person present in this place. Including me. Amen? In the event that anyone believes that an idol has some sort of spiritual influence... God has a very clear command about worshiping such images. Please turn to, to Exodus, excuse me, Exodus chapter 20. And let's take a look at that. One thing that God's word does is that, first of all, let's, let's, let's just put it out there. God does not mince his words. Amen. God doesn't beat around the bush when it comes to what he has to say. Amen. Amen. We have a tendency to beat around the bush a lot. Well, if you get over here and conversations going all over the place, but right where it needs to go. But God's word does not do that. He is very clear about how he has a stand and he takes a stand about idols. He says it very clearly in Exodus 20. I'm going to read verses four through six. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It says, you shall not make for yourself a carved image. Amen? Or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth, the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Flip over to Deuteronomy chapter five. Deuteronomy five. The first part of verse nine. Deuteronomy five, the first part of verse nine says, you shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He mentions it again. This is how he feels about idols, bowing down to something or someone other than him. He is commanding you not to do it. It's not mincing his words. Go to Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. And we're going to circle, we're going to center in on verse 8 in Isaiah 42. Now this version is from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. And it says, I am Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. God has not minced his words, has he? Three different verses, three different examples, very clear how he feels about idols. So you think about that. And think about what can be an idol in your life. As God clearly declares that he will not give honor or praise to idols, then neither should we. Amen? Amen? Y'all kind of quiet today. I'm going to mess with you. Because you're quiet. Worshipping idols is known as idolatry. Mark that word down. Idolatry. Idolatry is something that Involves worship and excessive devotion to a person or a thing that effectively replaces God. A person or a thing you're worshiping that effectively replaces God. So what's the problem here? You may be saying to yourself right now, this idolatry thing does not describe me. I don't have any carved images or statues in my house. And I don't get into all that silly stuff. And I'm reminded in my head, back in the day, back in the 70s, some of you remember those goofy Buddha statues. And my parents had one sitting up in front of the fireplace, set up about four feet tall. You know, one of those rounded bellies, all the distended belly Buddhas. We don't even know what we're doing sometimes and we're we're doing stuff we shouldn't be doing. Because of the symbolism of it. We are not giving praise to God by having a Buddha statue in our house. Amen? And they didn't know. I know that. They didn't know it. It's nowhere to be found today. Well, let's consider that there are many things that are going on, even if you don't have a Buddha statue in your house. There are many things that are going on in your life right now that not only replace God. Amen? Amen? as being first in your life, but they also minimize him in the same way that you can minimize a window on your computer and you would not even know or see him or maybe even forget he was there. Most of y'all can relate to a computer. You can minimize a window and you may forget it's even there. If this were a competition, you would have already voted God off. Amen? Amen. You would have voted him off. In the book, Counterfeit Gods, Timothy Keller presents three different things that are idols that we can put before God. Love, money, and power. Love, money, and power. Now, there are many more than these things. There's a lot of stuff that can be idols in our lives. Because by definition, an idol is anything that a person views as important and replaces the role of God in one's life. These three that I mentioned, however, are significant in that they not only are substitutes for Him, but they can also cause serious damage. To the people you know if they are unchecked and out of control. Damage. Yeah. Damage to a person's life. Yeah. Damage to the life of people around you. Yeah, no. Keller notes an idolatrous attachment can lead you to break any promise. Listen. Listen. Everybody listening, say amen. Amen. An idolatrous attachment can lead you to break any promise, rationalize any indiscretion, or betray any other allegiance in order to hold on to it. It may drive you to violate all good and proper boundaries. In other words, it will cause you to sin. Up, down, sideways, backwards, forwards. If you hold an idol dear to you, you will do all kinds of stuff to protect it. And it ain't the right way of doing it. Let's start with the first one. We talked about love first. I'm going to throw in number one, love and sex. I'm just going to say it. Amen? I'm just going to tell it like it is. Love and sex. We equate them both the same anyway, most of the time in our flesh. Amen? Amen. Come on, y'all. Now, there is certainly a difference between love and sex. But as we have often seen within our present culture, the two often go hand in hand especially when it comes to how a person views love in his or her own way. Amen? The worldly view of love is not even close to the agape love as the essence of God's character. We find that in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 8. Not even close. We're not talking about the same thing the way the world sees love. And frankly, it's sometimes the way we saw it. The worldly view of love values the relationship with a person over and above a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. Everybody catch that? You would do all kinds of stuff and sacrifice your relationship with Jesus Christ when it comes to this love thing. Right. Yeah. Who sang that song? It's a love thing. I can't remember who that was now. Whatever. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter who sang that song. It's not a song to be. <laughs> it just came to mind as I was thinking. That's the dangerous thing about me being up here. Sometimes stuff pops in my head. Well, you know what? It ain't a love thing when it comes to Christ. Let's leave it to that. The love thing we're talking about, that's not ain't having anything to do with Jesus Christ. The worldly view of love values the relationship with a person over and above a healthy relationship with Jesus Christ. So much so that a person's values and ethics are often compromised for the sake of preserving the relationship. How many times have you heard seen people saying, "Well, I love him." And the guy's been a doofus. But because you got companionship, I love him anyway. I won't dwell on that. A lot of it speaks for itself. Amen. For a believer in Jesus Christ, This should be especially troubling. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you've compromised your values for something like this, you should be really troubled. The spirit should be beating you upside the head every day with this. If you are paying attention. Keller notes that making an idol out of love may mean allowing the lover to exploit and abuse you or it may cause terrible blindness to the pathologies in the relationship. And that's a when I talk about pathologies, we're talking about bad stuff. Bad behavior, abusive behavior. Let me tell you a story. A single woman named Clarice has attended a church for several years where the biblical values of dating, relationships, and abstaining from sex before marriage have been presented. Clarice, however, felt as though her biological clock was ticking and decided to visit nightclubs or other social events in order to find a good Christian man. You see where this is going, don't you? Good Christian man in a nightclub? Find a good Christian man that had values similar to her own, namely settling down and getting married. The intention is right. The methodology is wrong. Upon finding a potential suitor, even upon declaring him as a boyfriend, she began sizing him up to check off all of the boxes in her mind. Is he employed with a future career potential? Is he able to provide for me? Is he sexually compatible? Wait a minute. Let's check in a box. Note that none of these questions are cross-checked with what she was taught within the church. Not one of them. Of course, after reviewing these and other questions, Clarice decides that her present boyfriend won't be a suitable mate Therefore, she breaks up with him and moves on to search for another that will check all of her boxes. This pursuit often leads to emptiness and dissatisfaction. And it is a disappointment to God when the efforts of finding security in a person give way to obedience, trust, And reliance upon God's method of provision. How often have we heard the words God will provide? How often do we just throw those words in the trash? Amen? Amen? How often do we throw those words in the trash? God says he's going to provide and we just jump all past that. God is left well into the background. Her pursuit of love was her American idol. Second story. Jonathan was always searching for the girl of his dreams. Now the men get equal treatment here. The problem was that each prospective woman would never meet his expectations. He also could not maintain a long-term romance because he lacked confidence in himself and did not trust that the women he tried to date would continue to find him appealing. In between these relationships, he would visit strip clubs or watch pornography. Jonathan never married. All of his relationships turned out to be empty and unsatisfying, but his expectation that something better was out there kept his focus away from relying upon God to be his ultimate matchmaker. His desire for romance above everything else was his American idol. The pursuit of love and sex Is idolatry. Amen. It is more than just minimizing God. It is a separation from God. There is no other way to look at it. It's a separation. This can also lead to unwanted pregnancies and the undermining of a person's family or career pursuits. There's nothing I've said just now that hasn't happened in people's lives. In extreme cases, an emptiness or false intimacy can lead to sexual addiction, which, according to Harry Schomburg, is the self-centered demand to be loved and accepted regardless of the consequences And a loss of a vital relationship with God. And it is a complex result of sin and human behavior. The idolatry of love and sex is sinful and destructive for every relationship surrounding the perpetrator. It's tragic what happens within even the body of Christ. When idolatry of love and sex Takes place. It's a tragedy. Lives are ruined. But for the grace of God, go you and me. Number two, money, 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 money. Oh, oh, there you go. Sing the song back to me. That is exactly, that is our culture, isn't it? One of the most misquoted passages of Scripture involves money. Misquoted. Money on its own is not a bad thing. Amen? We gotta have money. You have to have money to be able to do certain things. Yet the love of it has caused many to stumble. Under greed, and it is idolatry. Go to first Timothy chapter six. First Timothy six. And we're going to look at verse ten. And everyone in this room has seen this verse at one point. But we, we get sometimes we go overboard when we're saying all money is bad. All money is not bad. Money is something that we need to have to be able to survive. Money is what we give to the church in order for the church to be able to do the work that it does. So money by itself is not a bad thing. In fact, it's provided by God. It's something that we have. When we talk about provision, what are we usually talking about? Money, being able to do certain things. However, in verse 10 of 1 Timothy 6, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Isn't that interesting? What the love of money can do. Here's a third story for you. Anthony liked having money in his pockets. <laughs> I hope that the names I'm using are not people that you really know. There was a sermon about you the other day, Anthony. You know what? I'll just start over. Anthony liked having money in his pockets. He wasn't particularly wealthy either. And he didn't handle money very well. He desired to earn more money and become whatever it means to be independently wealthy. But his pursuit came through working three jobs and playing the lottery every day. Sometimes twice a day and also buying dozens of scratch-off tickets. Who said, watch it now? You didn't think I heard that? I told you I'm going to mess with you. When it came to paying the bills at home, his wife had to bear the brunt of the mortgage and the utilities because Anthony never had enough money to help out with the bills at home. He was driven through the enticement of a get-rich-quick mentality. Even when he hit the lottery for $10,000, he bought a new car for himself and never bothered to share his winnings with his wife. Anthony was controlled by greed over money, and it would never be satisfied, especially since God was not in his plan of obtaining wealth. His love of money was his American idol. In the book Counterfeit Gods, Keller writes that greed over money uses powerful sociological and psychological dynamics and that greed hides itself from the victim. A person doesn't even know they're being greedy in some cases. And yet it's there. The money god's modus operandi includes blindness to your heart. He also relates that greed over money will create jealousy and envy over what other people have, which creates an even greater divide in a person's relationship with Jesus Christ. So-and-so's got more money than I do. You can see it happening now. So-and-so's got more than me. What an attitude. It is one of the more deceptive means of idolatry and it affects people who have little or a lot of it. You know, it has nothing to do with how much money you have. You can be just about broke and still be greedy. Amen. That's true. It should remind us as believers, we can't have him in a relationship and hold a desire for money to the same standard. Go to Luke 16. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. You can't love the Lord and love money in the same way. It's not possible. Amen? Amen. Not possible. Because you're making a choice of one or the other. Remember how we said this morning in Sunday school, you're either with him, with Jesus Christ or against him. Same principle It's the exact same principle. In verse 13 of Luke 16, reading from the English standard version, no servant can serve two masters for either. He will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Check it out. Despise the other, not just not like him, despise him. You cannot serve God and money. Number three, power. Power. In America, our culture elevates politicians, professional athletes, Hollywood performers, and music pop stars as having the ultimate wealth, status, and power. Amen? That's pop culture. That's the world we live in today. They are deemed by the vast majority of people to have success beyond measure. With such success comes a measure of power. If it is used in the right way, the evidence comes out of a person with a humble approach to life and the desire to serve and glorify God. Amen? If it comes out the right way, even if you have a lot of money, people will actually see you acting as if Christ is in your life. However, if it comes out in the wrong way, (laughs) if a person uses power to his or her own advantage, it creates an environment where power usage can be abusive and sinful. Let's just use that word sinful. Sinful. That's a word that we should be using in church a lot. In some churches, you don't hear that word. But it's sinful when you're abusing power for your own personal gain. Even the noblest efforts that are presented in the spirit of doing what is good can still be twisted into idolatry. Keller notes, when love of one's people becomes an absolute, it turns into racism. When love of equality turns into a supreme thing, it can result in hatred and violence toward anyone who has led a privileged life. Things can get twisted very quickly, depending upon what you hold dear. We can look at our political leaders as messiahs, Our political leaders as saving doctrine and turn our political activities into a kind of religion. When religion is now your politics, that's a problem. Amen? I didn't hear a lot of amens on that. We don't talk politics a lot in the church, and nor really should we. But there are a lot of people that you know who are dyed in the wool into politics. And that can become your religion. But at what expense? It's at the expense of Jesus Christ. The desire for power is the culmination of a thought process that is independent of God's involvement. Independent of God's involvement. God is nowhere near you when this is going on. Amen? Amen. The people who audition for American Idol, and every year it's a hoot if you watch the program, they have one goal in mind that is to be seen as the best of the best singers in a popularity contest before millions of people. It begins with a desire to get a big break. But for all but one person, the contest ends without realizing that dream. Only one person can win. Amen? Some contestants on the show honestly believe they, they can be famous, even if they cannot sing very well. They've seen folks that are so deluded, they can't even hold a tune. They get up there and try and sing, I can be the American Idol. <laughs> cannot hold a note. How does that happen? Some <laughs> contestants have been known to quit their jobs and leave their families in order to seek fame and fortune. It has nothing to do with whether they can sing or not. They're seeking fame and fortune. It is more than just trying to win a recording contract. It is a quest for fame and influence. The desire for such power is idolatry. The very name of the program, idolatry. Fame, however, is fleeting. Everybody paying attention, say amen. Fame is fleeting. Especially when compared with the presence of God in our lives. Fame is fleeting. You've heard the term 15 minutes of fame. Some of us have a minute of fame. Amen. And that's all we deserve. Go to Isaiah chapter 40. Let's take a look at that. Isaiah chapter 40. We're looking at verses 6 through 8 in Isaiah 40. Starting with verse 6, a voice was saying, I'm reading from the Holman Christian Center Bible, a voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass. And all his goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers. The flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of our God remains forever. Guess what? That's true for every one of us. You have a season of life that you're in right now, a series of seasons, and one day that's going to fade. But thankfully, God's word is always going to be there, no matter what. It is our nature to want to accomplish something or achieve something on our own. That's in our nature. That's how we're wired as people. But we as believers in Jesus Christ should be fully aware that we cannot accomplish anything without his input. We can't accomplish anything without his movement in our lives. We can't accomplish anything unless he allows it. Flip over to Luke chapter 18. He has to allow it. Luke 18 Verse 27. He, or Jesus, replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. We can't do anything on our own. God is the one who makes it possible. So who or what is your american idol who or what is your american idol are you following a person instead of seeking jesus are you searching for something in your life that is unfulfilling and empty Are you putting Christ aside in order to fulfill your own desires? What idols are you holding on to? What idols are you carrying around with you? Perhaps it's time for you to do some real soul searching. And make sure that you are not in a competition against God because of holding on to idols. It is a competition that you are ultimately going to lose. You will lose. Because idolatry is sin. Plain and simple. It's sin. The only way to renounce these idols is to humble yourself. Humble yourself. And turn from your sin directly to Jesus Christ. Directly to Christ. And recognize that God is the one who delivers us from our sins and no one else. He became sin for us with his death on the cross in order to become righteous before him. That's from 2 Corinthians 5.21. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through, through Christ who strengthens me. You can turn away from those idols if you allow Christ to strengthen you. What is your American idol? Father, we thank you for the truth that you give us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to our hearts and minds through the Holy Spirit. Lord, whatever we are holding dear and near to us that is taking away from you, Lord, we renounce it right now. We choose to follow you. Lord, help us to humble ourselves to recognize those things that are taking your place. Those things that are minimizing you to the point where we forget about you. Those things where we are holding others more dear than we're holding you.